Today we are starting a new series, um, and this series is called Receiving the Promise. We spent all of December looking forward to anticipating the advent, the birth of baby in the, uh, the baby Jesus in the manger. So this next few weeks, we're going to be looking at what it takes for us to receive the promise that was sent to us in Emmanuel, God with us. What does it look like for us? to become believers who actually are changed from the inside out. We also, um, as part of this process today, we're looking at the baptism of Jesus. Um, it's also uh, Remember Your Baptism Day. So today at the end of service, you're going to have a moment where you can um, remember your baptism. And I'll walk us through that as we get to it in a little bit. We're going to start in our scripture, Matthew 3 verses 7 through 17. This is from the message version of the Bible. This is what scripture tells us. When John realized that a lot of Pharisees and Sadducees were showing up for a baptismal experience because it was becoming the popular thing to do, he exploded. Brood of snakes, what do you think you're doing slithering down here to the river? Do you think a little water on your snakeskins is going to make any difference? It's your life that must change, not your skin. And don't think you can pull rank by claiming Abraham as father. Being a descendant of Abraham is neither here nor there. Descendants of Abraham are a dime a dozen. What counts is your life. Is it green and flourishing? Because if it's dead wood, it goes in the fire. I am baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom of life. The real action comes next. The main character is in this drama. Compared to him, I am a mere stagehand. We'll ignite the kingdom life within you, a fire within you, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true in its proper place before God. Everything falls. He'll put out with the trash to be burned. Jesus then appeared. Arriving at the Jordan River from Galilee, he wanted John to baptize him. John objected. I'm the one who needs to be baptized, not you. But Jesus insisted, do it. God's work, putting things right in all these centuries is coming together right now in this baptism. So John did it. The moment Jesus came out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God, indeed. I don't know if you've had the pleasure of parenting a teenager, but I do know that at one time you yourself were a teenager, right? So we've had one or both of those experiences. And I just want to remind you what it's like to have a teenager in your life or to be a teenager. It looks like this. It's nine degrees outside, child comes downstairs, shorts, and a t-shirt. <laughs> you look at the child and you say, hey, don't you think you might want to put some pants on? It's fine, mom, gosh. <laughs> or, hey, you know, it might be smart to turn the water off while you're cleaning the dishes so that you don't kill the earth. Mom, I know how to do dishes. All right. Hey, 
you know, you're allowed to dual enroll in both college and high school. That way, when you get through high school, you, yeah, 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 mom, I know. I got it. <laughs> this is what it's like to have a teenager in your house. I bet you that we were like that too. In one area or another, it's this thing that we do. We put up these walls because we have this idea of who we are. And when we get to be teenagers, we think we got it all figured out. You want to know what happens, however? That usually doesn't change. We continue to think that we have it all figured out, at least in some area of our lives. There's some place in your life where you think, I got this. I'm handling it. And nobody needs to help me, especially not God. I don't need God to touch this area of my life, because if God touches this area of my life, I'm going to have to change a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> just like the teenagers running around in our houses, just like you, maybe as you were a teenager, we have walls that we put up. And these walls protect us. They protect our identity. They protect our egos. They protect our pride. They kind of let us go into this world, which is harsh, because the world we live in is indeed harsh. And these walls give us some feeling of being okay, that we don't have to be vulnerable, that we don't have to put the core of who we are out there to be smashed by the people around us. Our walls are good. I like, I like my walls. I don't know if you like yours, but I really like mine. They took a lot of years to perfect. And so when we think about what it means for us to receive the promise of a Christ who came to live with us, who took human form, who came to live among the people, and then to give us an example about how we're supposed to live, I want you to remember these walls. Because these walls become the defining factor in whether or not you receive the promises that God wants to give you. When we look at our scripture for today, we're looking at Matthew 3 and really the whole narrative of Matthew 3. It's only three chapters into scripture and we're already to the part of Jesus being ready to start ministry. In fact, this specific chapter sets up Jesus, chapters 3 and 4 actually, we'll look at 4 next week. They set up Jesus for his entire ministry on earth. There's some of the most important teaching that we can get from scripture. So I want us to take a little journey into this space and time. I want you, as I relay to you the events of this piece of scripture, I want you to picture yourself in this narrative. Who are you? Which one of these people are you? Who do you identify with? Who do you relate to in this story? When we pick up Matthew 3, we find John at the Jordan River. John the Baptist, John the son of Elizabeth who came before Jesus, John the cousin of Jesus. And John is standing at the Jordan River, which is not right outside of any city. It's not outside of Judea. It's not outside of Jerusalem. It's a ways outside of those places. And he's standing at this river and he is calling out to the people who have come. And he is saying to them, come and be cleansed. Come and be cleaned because the kingdom of heaven is coming. A new way of living, a new way of being has finally arrived. It is here. What John was calling to the people, what he was saying to them is that I bring you the news of a whole new way of relating to and working with God. And the beginning of that news is that you are to repent of your sins. Now, we hear that a lot. Some churches, that's all they talk about, is your sin and needing to repent. 
Some of us, we don't talk about it enough. But in the Israelite tradition, there were really a few specific days of the year that were meant for repentance, but the rest of the time, it was all about living within the 600 plus laws that they had that sheltered them, that created relationship between them and God. And so John telling them that they had to come now, not at a specific time of year, but right now, confess their sins to God, and then repent of those sins to God, and be baptized in the water, it was something that was unheard of. It's something that would have stood out as being odd. And what I find even more interesting is that these people were coming from cities, Jerusalem and Judea. How did they know John was at the river? Scripture doesn't tell us some way, somehow, God moved in the hearts of these people, so they started traveling to the news of John at the river. Most of them came because they were being compelled by the Holy Spirit to go and to see and to hear. Some of them went because that's what everybody else was doing. There's a big crowd. I must see what's going on. And here they come to this river, and John is telling them that the way that they have been living is wrong. Nobody wants to hear that. My teenagers don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. But they went and they received a message telling them that the way that they were living, the way that they were trying to honor God, the way that their religious life looked was wrong. And that this moment in time was the beginning for them. It was an invitation to start something new. And so person after person went before John and was baptized in the Jordan River. And as John is baptizing these people, he notices a group of Pharisees and Sadducees show up. Now, if you don't know who the Pharisees and Sadducees are, they are the ones who make all the money, who know all the things, and have gone to all the schools. They're the smartest ones about them. They know all of the laws. Granted, the two groups didn't agree on everything, but they were the ones who you would go to when you had questions. They were the ones who were looked up to. They were the ones who were supposed to be the holiest, who lived the best. And John looks at this group of people and he says, you brood of vipers. He doesn't say, oh, you holy people who have showed us how to live so long. He says, no, you brood of vipers. He says, what do you think? That this water is going to change your skin? He says, you put on your faith like the clothes you put on in the morning. You wear it as an external shell. It is not something that has changed you. It is not something that has made you a different person. It's something that you put on for others to see and you wear proudly around town. It's like the, it's like the cars that we put on ourselves or the houses we put on ourselves or the jobs we put on ourselves or the education that we put on so that everybody knows we got it together. They put their faith, they put their faith on like clothes. It didn't change who they were. It didn't change the way they lived. It didn't change their character. It didn't change the way that they related with other people or the way they related with God. It was simply a status marker. And God said to them, this baptism will not work for you. You've come because everyone else is here. You haven't come to change. You haven't come to receive. You haven't come to meet God. And then into this moment, into this moment of John baptizing people whose heart were hungry for something new, and then John speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees saying, listen, into this moment, Jesus shows up. 
into a moment where John is calling for the people to remember that a new kingdom is coming, that a new time has come, that we must repent of our sins. Jesus, the only one on the entirety of the earth who has no sin. Jesus, who is perfect in every way. Jesus, who has no reason to repent, walks up to John and asks John to baptize him. John, John says to Jesus, listen, I don't think I can do that. I know who you are. And we don't know how he knew who he was. Maybe because they're cousins, they grew up together. I'm assuming that happens. Maybe he just noticed the presence of Jesus all around him, but he knew who Jesus was. He said, I cannot baptize you. In fact, not only can I not baptize you, but you should be baptizing me. And Jesus says, no, I'm doing this because it is the will of God. I'm doing this to fulfill scripture and prophecy. I'm doing this as a model for how the rest of humanity should live their lives going forward. I'm doing this in submission to God. And in this one moment, we have a man who his human understanding cannot allow him to get with the program. His human understanding keeps him from understanding why this is necessary. John does not understand why this is necessary. But what does he do? He does it anyway. In this moment, John is confused. John doesn't understand. What God is asking him to do does not make any sense whatsoever, but he does it anyway. And then we have Jesus, who is perfect, who needs not be baptized, but he does it anyway in submission to God. Baptism. This moment was the beginning of Jesus' earthly ministry. In fact, in this moment, as he is baptized, the heavens open and the Holy Spirit descends like a dove onto Jesus and God's voice says out to the whole crowd, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. In this moment, Jesus is equipped for ministry with the power of the Holy Spirit who enables his work for the rest of his ministry. In this moment, God tells all of the, those who are around, he claims Jesus, marks Jesus. Let it be known that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God, setting him up for the rest of his ministry. So what does this moment in time mean to us? How does it direct our lives? Well, you see, we are one of those characters in my journey with God, I've been every single one of those characters. I've been the Pharisee with the thick skin who thinks she's got it all figured out, wearing my religion like clothes. I have been the eager, humble-hearted person seeking God, seeking God's plan, seeking to obey. I have been John saying, I do not understand what you were asking me to do, God, yet doing it anyway. I've been each of those people. And in our seasons of growing as believers, we will have our ups and downs. But the question for us now is, where are you today? You see, baptism is not something that was just meant for them. It was not something that was just meant for Jesus. Jesus showed us in his baptism how we begin a life of faith with God. Whether you are baptized as an infant or as an adult, 
In that moment, you're accepting the work of the Holy Spirit and the community of the church into your life. Whether or not you understand why that happens. See, most of us get baptized and we just sit in the mystery. We don't have all the answers. We don't know how it works, but we believe that in that moment, God meets us there. God equips us. God gives us something we didn't have before as we stand in baptism. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. I need you to understand that. You don't have to be baptized in order to be saved. You simply need to accept Christ into your life and confess him with your mouth and you will be saved, right? So then why baptism? If baptism isn't necessary, then why? Well, it's a way of tearing down our walls. We want to receive the promise of God we want to receive the life of Jesus into our lives. We want to receive all that God has for us. And the beginning of that is opening up our hearts and our hands and saying, I will do what you ask me to do, trusting that there's a reason, even if I don't understand. And when we stand before a community to be baptized, what we are doing is saying to this community that I want to be a part of this group in such a way that you know and that the community around me knows that I am in. We stand in baptism when we say to God, I'm going to try. I'm going to try to tear down my walls. And this is one step towards letting you in and towards letting your promises have a part of my life. Baptism is the beginning of a process of growing in God. For me, I was saved in college. It wasn't until three years later, on a high school stage in a kiddie pool that was colder than Lake Erie in Christmas, I was baptized. I was saved in one moment. I started walking with Jesus in another. I started walking with a community, with believers in another. Baptism is a way for us to open up our lives, to open up our hearts, to receive the promises of God. So today, the question we have to ask ourselves is, are we still teenagers? Running around before God saying, I, I, I got it. I know. You don't have so many things. I understand keeping our walls as intact as possible so that we are not vulnerable, because gosh, how painful it is to be vulnerable. Are we those people who were driven by the Spirit into the desert, to the Jordan, to receive baptism, saying with an open heart, I'm meeting you here, God, please show me the way forward. Are you right now one of the Pharisees and Sadducees who come to church every week putting your holy, holy, holy sweater on? I go to church. I got it figured out. Are you John? Who's trying to be as obedient as possible even though you don't really understand why God's asking you to do what God's asking you to do. In this season, right now, what do you need to do to tear down some of those defenses that you've put up so that God can get through to your heart. Because none of it matters. Being here on Sunday mornings does not matter. Being in a grow group does not matter. Serving the community does not matter. Being baptized does not matter 
unless you're changing. If your time in church, if your time in community, if your time in baptism isn't creating a new person, if your life is not changing, then you've missed the point. God comes to us so that we will change. God comes to us so that we will grow. God comes to us that the, so that the inside will begin to reflect, not us, but Jesus. Today, we're going to take some time. If you have been baptized, we are going to remember your baptism. We are going to say together, the commitments we made to each other during baptism. Some of you were baptized as infants and then later reaffirmed during confirmation. That's the way it works in the United Methodist Church. If you're baptized as an infant or a child, you still have to accept God into your life at some point. That happens at confirmation. If you've been baptized 12 times because you've been a Baptist before you came here, hey, you know, welcome. Glad you're here. If you have yet to be baptized, I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to help you tear down that piece of the wall that's keeping you from walking towards this next step. But for those who have been, let us say together the statements that were said the first time we were baptized, if you did it in a Methodist church. And then I'm going to invite you to come forward and remember your baptism as we sing our last song. The way that you do that is up to you. The way that I'm going to do it is I'm going to touch the water and I'm going to say in the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a bodily way. The reason why I do it, not because it's Catholic. I do it because it's a bodily way of connecting with the prayer that I'm sending to God. But the important part for you in this moment is to touch the water and to touch your head. I'm going to ask you some questions. If you agree, say, I do. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Do you confess Jesus Christ is your Savior, put your whole trust in his grace, and promise to serve him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to all people of ages, nations, and races? Now you answer with, I will. Will you nurture each other in Christ's holy church? Will you, according to the grace that is given to you, remain faithful members of the church and serve Christ as Christ's representatives in the world? I'm going to say a prayer. Let us pray. God, in this moment of remembering our baptisms, we anticipate, we expect that as we come forward, you are meeting us here in this space. That this moment is real and that your work is the effective part, not our words. Holy Spirit, descend on us, descend on this space. Bless this water. Help it to be a reminder to us who we are in you. And show us, Lord, how we walk forward from this moment on so that our walls are torn down and we can begin to receive the promises anew that you made to us in Jesus. 
It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen.